This is Proxilla Radio, the UK's first dedicated progressive rock music radio network. You're listening to Tabletop Genesis, a podcast by Genesis fans for Genesis fans. Hi there, this is Mike Lord. And this is Tom Roche. And we are here with another fantastic episode of Tabletop Genesis. <sighs> so this is going to be a little different than some of the other episodes we've done, where we're going to be talking to each other. <laughs> I was going to say we're talking to you, the listeners, which we're not really doing, but we're talking to each other about viewer mail which is not viewer mail we know you guys are listeners but it's listener mail that you guys have sent in to request to mark our seventh anniversary seventh anniversary and 50th episode that's right so why is this episode different than all other episodes as they say yes <laughs> so yeah it's marking kind of we first recorded in march of now 2015 which is shocking to me when you think about that. And we're still the same age. Yeah, exactly. Nothing's changed. So we're now, and we've gotten 50 episodes deep with this, which some podcasts reach that in a a year if if they're weekly and everything. Uh, We've had a pandemic in the middle of things, so that's kind of slowed things down a bit. And we're attempting to kind of stay on this monthly issuing release schedule which we really didn't adhere to in the early days. I think we just do want to try to be a little bit more equal, but then, you know, summer times come around and it's like, oh, we'll, we'll skip a month or whatever. So, so that's why we're at 50 after seven years. <laughs> we're happy to be there. Slow and steady exactly. wins the race, as yeah. they say. And it, it, a lot of the, the reason why there were so few and far between is that previous to COVID, uh, we would all you know figured the only way that we would put an episode together is if we met in the same place yes so it was mike coming in from manhattan me coming out from new jersey meeting most of the time at stacy and simon's house in just outside philadelphia so it was you know we'd sometimes try to record two episodes so we could have one in the can and then yep. put one out next but if we didn't get a chance to meet for another three or four months we figured well that's it well with covid Mm-hmm. You know, new technology or yep. existing technology that just got more popular. Zooms, Zencaster, doing this remotely became a necessity. And one good thing about that is that we were able to have guests from outside areas, even yep. across the pond. And we got to be able to do these more often. Uh, so hopefully it is the one good thing that came out of COVID, which coincidentally... Two years ago yesterday was when we recorded our last in-person episode before COVID. Oh, really? We wow. We recorded yeah. it. Uh, today is March 13th. We recorded March 12th, 2020, talking wow. about the tour, which had just gone on sale. That's right, <laughs> because Tom came over to my place, and we did kind of a, a two-hander just with the two of us talking about the tickets going going on sale for, for London and the UK tours, which those are happening now, finally happening next, uh, basically like, Two weeks from now, two this weeks, is, I think two weeks from yesterday, the Saturday, will be the last show. 
Ever. Ever, yeah. I mean, it's it's not announced as that, but let's be honest, you know, if if you're not going to do your last shows ever in London as Genesis, it, it just seems like a fitting conclusion to that story. So it's, it's going to be bittersweet in a lot of ways. And so. we'll have to get your post-show report because yes. you're going to the shows. Correct? Yes, I'm, yeah. I'm heading over there to London uh, in like nine days or something like that. So I'll be over there for the shows. I'll be kind of, I, I'm in a weird role over there. So I'm actually helping out a friend to kind of, you know, who works, you know, doing things. I'm being very oblique about this, but I, I will be do things. Too. I, do, so I know, funny. I know. I'll be, I'll be, I'll be at the shows, but not necessarily sitting and watching the show. So that's kind of where I'm at right now, which I might be able to report back on this a bit more after the fact and everything kind of get in, get into the story of things with all that. But, but yeah, so if, if you happen to see me wandering around the O2 arena and you're a fan of the show, say hi, I'm happy to kind of meet you and kind of, um, say hi and, you know, hear about your appreciation or non-appreciation of the show. So, so we're, uh, so we're here now though, talking about the 50th episode and the seven years of doing this. And we're celebrating that by getting, having viewer mail, listener mail come in from you guys, which we're going to read out. But Tom, like how is, how has seven years of the tabletop <laughs> changed your life? <laughs> uh, I think seven years ago I was sitting on that side of the table yes. <laughs> and now I'm on this side of the table. So right. my, my life has just turned completely upside down. I wasn't recognized on the street seven years ago <laughs> and I'm still not recognized on the street. It's funny so. <laughs> how podcasts don't bring you fame and fortune that way. But. Crazy how that works. But it, no, it's been, a, it's been an awesome ride. I know we've mentioned the story before on the show how there were some pub gathering between the friends our, you know, us and Simon and Stacy. I happen to not be there, but it said, "Well, whenever we get together, we always talk about Genesis. Why don't we? Right? Why don't we first, record it? The genesis of this podcast. Yeah. yeah. And then so we got together to record a test of Abacab back to front, front to back review of it, and that ended up being the first show, which came out March of 2015. Yeah." March 7th or something like that, if I remember right. I, I think Simon remember. actually sent out the little promo thing. <laughs> and and I was just like, yeah, that's... I, I remember thinking in that conversation that we had that uh, at the time Ellie and I had with Stacey and Simon, where Simon was the one who said, we should do a podcast about this. We talked about it all the time. And I was like, <laughs> oh, yeah, sure. And I was like, ah, it'll never happen. And then like the week after that, he's like, oh, he's like, I talked to friends at Prodzilla and they we can be on their network and... We'll come on down the next weekend and we'll do it. And Ellie couldn't make it to that point, but Tom had gotten involved. That's right. And so it was just the four of us to start with. And I was viewing it as a test episode when we were recording it. Just like, oh, let's make sure that we actually can be interesting and have stuff to talk about and that the structure made sense. And we did that. And I was like, oh, great. Now we can record a real episode at some point. And then Simon was like, oh, the episode's going live in March (laughs) or whatever. And I was like, oh, my God, we're, we're really doing this. So... Signed, sealed, delivered. Yeah. And- so, so credit both, you know, to Stacy and Simon for, you know, taking the lead with this. Particularly Simon at the at the early part, kind of administratively getting this moving. And you know, it was great being involved with every with the two of them, with Ellie and everything. It was really kind of a good run with with everybody. And then, you know, it's kind of narrowed down. We've become more exclusive in our focus with Tom and I. <laughs> Uh, just being kind of the ones driving this at this point. But obviously, you know, if you're a regular listener, you know that uh, 
Stacey and Simon have been involved with things here and there again, and we hope that they are in the future. It's been a really fun ride overall. It's been, you know, you, you meet people and, you know, there've been people that I've met through the podcast that, you know, I didn't know ahead of time. I thought that my joke at the beginning was, you know, if we get 20 people listening to this, that'd be great. You know, and, and we have more than 20 people listening. I think so. Yeah. And, and a lot of people, you know, people that we've then had on the podcast as guests, you know, people like David Priest, Al Melchior, some other people, uh, some other people. I don't want to not mention you. As soon as you start mentioning names, you're like, can I mention everybody? But people, Al and David in particular, I didn't know before the podcast. Kate Stratton, who guested on the Mike to the Mechanics episode, I did know her before the podcast, but, you know, we, we had her on because of her love of Mike Rutherford and the Mechanics material. We've gotten to interview people. You know, we interviewed Steve was our first kind of outside the core podcast people interview, which was great. And even that just happened. That came up on my Facebook feed as something that we did in March of 2016 or something like that. So yeah, I don't remember the right. year, but that was again, early on. We've and talked to Tony Banks, Tony Banks and Phillips fun. as, you know, musicians with the band we talked to um, Richard uh, McPhail, Richard McPhail, Jerry Murata. Mike Keneally is not not as a member of Genesis, obviously, but as a musician who you know really enjoys Genesis music and everything. And we've had those type of things, and we want to bring more of that type of stuff to you guys also, and really kind of broaden out what we do since we've covered all the Genesis albums themselves. And we will continue covering solo albums. Maybe we'll even revisit Abacab someday. So that was our first. <laughs> I, I, I kind of don't know if I'd want to listen to that first episode again. Yeah. It would be, as my kids call it, cringy or not. Yes. Uh, <laughs> but, hey, yeah. it, it is what it is. You got you to walk before you can run. Right. Let us know how it is if you're a new <laughs> listener. And, and, and something that I do appreciate every time I see a comment like it is that and maybe around the tour, this has happened more too, where people tweet at us or on Facebook say, oh, I just discovered the podcast. Now I have, you know, 50 episodes to listen to. And I'm like, hey, more power to you. <laughs> you know, because I've done that with certain shows too, where some some shows, if it's a current event show, you're not going to necessarily dive into, oh, what did they talk about, you know, five years ago with, you know, elections or something. Because those are very much of the moment. These are common comments and commentary and conversations of the moment also, but they're about things that have been around for 5, 10, 15, 20, 50 years. And so the conversations are different and they're a bit more evergreen that you can discover a podcast. Oh, they talk about trespass. You know, if we'd recorded about trespass today, our opinions <laughs> may or may not be radically different from how they Maybe. were. Maybe. I think we've discovered some song favorites might change, yeah. but that's just how you grow as a person. Yeah. Your song favorites change, but the the crux of what we talk about for an album, they remain evergreen. So it's it's great to hear someone say, "Oh, I just listened to your I don't know your Invisible Touch show, and yeah. we recorded that probably five years ago." Yeah, sure. And I also wanted to don't be remiss. I'm Anthony Johnston was was yes a yes great person to talk to, and Julissa Castrodale yes our most recent guest. Yeah, so the, and we do have some. Interviews lined up, some yeah. conversations. Irons uh, in the fire. Irons in the fire. So we're looking forward to bringing that in 2022. Yeah. It's definitely going, there is, it's funny because even we, we've never been the best with master planning. <laughs> it's not been, it's not been of interest to us, honestly. You know, 
sometimes people ask like, oh, you should, are you, would you ever do a Patreon or something like that, you know, to have people involved with stuff? And I'm like, for me, I liked the kind of casual nature of this. If we started, if people started giving us money, as much as that might be nice on one level and kind of an acknowledgement that people appreciate things, then there's the expectation that you actually have to do something on a monthly or whatever basis. Then you actually have to give them quality. Yeah, exactly. And we're not, and we're ready, not, doing, we're we're not ready to do that. We've yet. never <laughs> thought about quality on this podcast. So that's the a reason for that. And also, I think because of people have asked us sometimes like, oh, you know, what's somebody recently asked about use of music on the podcast about like, oh, is it legal? Is it not legal? How much can you use and everything? And I think one of the reasons why we've kind of slipped under the radar with that is that, you know, A, we might be kind of grandfathered in with Prodzilla and things like that, but also we don't we don't make any money from this podcast. Right. This is not in in yeah. riching our coffers right. in any at any point. So I think the fact that we're not making money off of the band's music right. or the use of their music is is okay. Well, yeah. There's certain things with fair use that it's like we're educational in that respect. But if we started have, I don't even know if we could have ads on this podcast, or if if we did Patreon, it's like oh then then it starts being a benefit to us, and that's that's where to me that that gets morally fuzzy if you start using music in that way. Whereas this way, I think the look, if we're noticed at all, it's because it's like oh you know we 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 talk about the band. It's it's promo on one way shape and form. Yes. Because we are we are fans. We do like this music. We may even gush about it at times. <laughs> and it's just like that's that's what we do. And we do this because we enjoy it. And we'd be talking about this stuff anyway. So right. might as well record it. Might as well put a microphone in front of us. Exactly. But what we wouldn't be talking about is people actually writing to us about the conversations we have or questions for us. And then something spoke, and this is what it said to me. And so we put out this call about a week ago on Facebook and Twitter, basically saying to, you know, our listeners, hey, what questions do you want us to talk about? What are things that you might want to hear Tom and Mike pontificate on for a bit or just questions about the podcast or anything like that? So this is going to be an entire episode devoted to you, the listener, and your messages to us. Yeah, so so thank you very much, one, for sticking with us all these years and two mm-hmm. for coming up with some great questions. The ones that I've collected, Mike hasn't heard and the one that Mike and the ones that Mike collected, I haven't heard. So it's going to be really interesting to hear his answers to some of these that I've actually thought about and right. vice versa. <laughs> it'll be, it'll be fun with that. And, and I think that there are a lot of kind of interesting comments and questions and things to think about and we'll go from here. So Tom, why don't you start out with one on your list? All right, I'll just start right at the top of the list from Jeff Reeve. His suggestion for a show idea would be another Steve Hackett album breakdown. His vote is for Spectral Mornings, which I agree. And I think I think we did have we were all going to do another Steve one this this year. Yep. And I think we had it. We were deciding between Spectral Mornings and Please Don't Touch. I think I have my vote for which one to do. Did, did we decide? I think yeah. We have talked about. Probably doing Spectral Mornings, I think. I think that would be the next one that we would do for Steve. With I think Please Don't Touch is certainly a runner-up with that. It might be a coin flip, so we'll have to figure yeah, it out. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So, but uh, yeah, I think that we can certainly say that we will be covering a Steve album, maybe even more than one this year at some point. 
and that special mornings is certainly seriously on the docket as yes. one for for talking about it just it's it's an obvious one to talk about it's a it's a great album and I think that we can have a good conversation about that, either just the two of us or if we bring somebody else or other people into that conversation also. So we'll go from there. My question here, and I, again, sometimes I'm going to be talking about Twitter handles, so some names may not be accurate if people are having fun with their Twitter handles. So uh, at Rojas Altazor, which is Camilo R., it's uh, he wrote to us with kind of two questions. Uh, have you one being have you changed your minds on any song and or album ever since the podcast started? And the second question is, what are your favorite album closers? And I would say, have I changed my mind on any song or album? I would I would honestly have to say, I don't think I've really changed my mind. Like I haven't gone from disliking something to being like, oh, I like this. I might have a broader perspective on it now, but I think my general thoughts are still my general thoughts about them. I don't think it's changed on that front. Same thing with kind of the, the song and album being the, kind of the same thing. Like, I don't think that that my opinion has changed that much on anything. I, again, but I think that I, I understand maybe more why somebody likes something that I didn't like or, and hopefully people might understand a little more why I liked something, why they do or don't like something if they heard us talking about it and favorite album closers. I would have to say fading lights on. We can't dance. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. I was the first one that came to mind was it's going to get better from mm, Genesis. Yes. But they sequence their albums really well. So the closer was usually a strong song. Yes. But that's just so I could pick any number of them. Duke's Duke's Travels, Duke's End. Yes. That's a great one. Yeah. Uh, I mean, um, in theory, Supper's Ready is the closer <laughs> of uh, Foxtrot. So is. it's like, yeah, that's that's fantastic. But I still, that's in its own category, I'd almost say. Like, I don't yeah. think that, I don't think it would be fair to think of that as an album closer. And it is so funny listening to things out of context, whether it's on your own computer nowadays or do on Spotify or any of these other places. It's like you don't necessarily listen to albums. And so thinking about an album closer, Fading Lights is the first one that kind of really popped to mind. But all the closers are really good. Yeah. It's tough, you know, Afterglow on that, Los Endos. I mean, the only one, I mean, I don't know if Follow You, Follow Me is the best album closer, mm. but it's a good song and it's the end of the album. But yeah, it's not the, but it's a good, yeah, it's a good song there. So Fading Lights for me, that's what I'm going to stick with. For um, for track that I've changed my mind yeah. on or had uh, my mind changed for me was the one that immediately came to mind was Seven Stones. I think I was always mm. about the track and then just hearing Definitely Stacy, maybe you also, and, mm. and perhaps Simon. But I remember Stacy was a huge proponent yes. of that track, and it's a never skipper for me anymore. Where okay. it used to always be, just I love the the different bits of it. Uh, I love the that ending instrumental part. Mm -hmm. It just it's a it's a great song written by people who were twenty twenty one years <laughs> yes. old. So yeah, yeah. Now that you say that, I could see that being a song that. I know I didn't dislike it, but it was just kind of that middle of the road kind of like, oh yeah, that's a song. And now 
especially hearing Stacy's commentary on it, yeah, I have a greater appreciation for it now. So I will concur with you about that. But I think, yeah, that's maybe the biggest one. You know, maybe there's something on the lamb that I didn't consider and maybe people made comments about, but I can't necessarily think of something offhand. So I'm going to stick with Stephen Stones like you. So thank you, Tamillo, for that question. Speaking of songs and our opinions on specific songs, David Negrin, Who Done It? Obscure Masterpiece or Filler Track? <laughs> yes. And and for those of you who don't know, Dave runs the World of Genesis website <laughs> out there. So kudos to him for running such a great website for so many years. So Who Done It? How did he actually phrase the question again? Obscure Masterpiece or Filler Track? If people remember from our Habitat episode way back when I would say obscure masterpiece. So I love that track. I, I wouldn't go so far as say masterpiece, but I w- I do yeah. like the track. First foray into Abacab when I was a teen, mm-hmm. I probably thought it was the worst song they've ever done. <laughs> but over time, there's others that have taken that place. Uh, and Who Done It? I just I just like the beat. It's it's very different. It's not in my top ten at right. all oh, sure. for Genesis, yeah. but it's one that I don't mind as much as i used to i don't think it's just filler it's it's them just experimenting it's 1981 yeah. it's the spirit you know? of fun right that's that's what how i think about it it's just like it's it's a track unlike anything they've done you know in some ways on the weirdness quotient it's it's like a waiting room track and it's just like something that they did almost improvised and just was were goofy with and i and i liked that spirit i like that they have that in them to do it so yeah obscure masterpiece maybe so so dave thanks for that question 
or commentary or request for us to, to pontificate on these things a bit more. This next one isn't a question, but Pods Like Us on Twitter, at Pods Like Us, just says, congratulations to the guys at Genesis Tabletop on providing us with quality content on the band Genesis and all of the side and solo projects that the members of the band have been a part of. Seven years already? Here's to another seven years at least. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, it's great. You know, it, I've been surprised that we've gotten the positive comments that we've gotten sometimes because I, and, and that we haven't gotten the negative comments that I honestly expected to rain down on us when we started this, you know, it's been again, yeah, here and there you get kind of a negative, you know, commentary on things, but it's, I'll be honest, it's very rare. So I don't know if the same yeah, is on Facebook there for you, but there's maybe, and if they are, it's, it's, it's uh, you know, I don't agree with your opinion or I, I think you guys are, crazy thing about that which is fine everybody you're going to argue about music left and right so i'm mean, those i don't take personally like I, I could say someone else's music taste is crap but yeah. that's what they like and i like what i like and they haven't been personal i think there may have been one way back early day with personal i was like mm. what's wrong with this person like <laughs> right. are you really taking the time out yeah. of your day to personally attack someone who is doing something for fun and haters got to hate haters going to haters going to hate. <laughs> <laughs> and that's, and that's been nice that we haven't been bombarded like that. So I think it's, it's kind of a, a, a positive thing about the fandom in general is that, you know, that's hey if you're going to seek out a Genesis podcast, most people seem amazed that there just is one out there. And I know there might be a couple out of more out there for also now at this point. Also that just uh, Phil, Phil, Philip, Phil Collins, maybe <laughs> Phil 60s, 70s on Twitter also just said, thank you for your work. Wonderful content kind of goes along with pods like us just kind of thanking us for doing this, which, you know, was always the comment that we got early on and still get where people say, oh, it's just nice to kind of feel like I'm part of the conversation. I don't have friends that I can talk to about this or I'm the only Genesis person who really loves Genesis that I know. And so that bringing people together, I think, is really part of listening to any podcast on a subject that you like or love, and that this can kind of give you that conversational time. So I'm glad you. I'm glad we've provided that service for people. Another similar, just a comment uh, from Andy Delamere uh, said he's been listening since 2015, which is nice to hear. People who went all the way back with yeah. us. Yeah, uh, and I believe he's the guitarist. For Rail. Okay, which is sure. A tribute band. If yeah. you're in the Northeast, uh, they play there's probably a venue you could see them at. So we've seen you. them in the New York area. We, we have seen them. And yeah, so if you're in the area, thank you, Andy, for yeah. for sticking with us. Yeah, and thank you for for providing keeping the music alive in a different way, kind of showing playing these gates around the city and kind of doing putting the music out there in a way that you know, people can experience live because people people love going to the tribute bands, to the cover bands and everything. So thank you.
another show suggestion from Bijou Tucker. It says, would we ever do a show on a Brand X album? Which hmm. I would say probably at least one we would yeah. do. I'm not that familiar with Brand X. You are more than a I am. A little bit but... more. I, I'd be open to it. What I, what I can see us doing maybe more than a single album is talking about Brand X in general. And kind of going over that, one thing we can mention just in relation to Brand X is recently John Goodsall, the guitarist, mm. died maybe a month or two ago at this point, maybe a little bit longer. Maybe so, end of 22 or early, no, end, end of 21, 21. or early Yeah, I, I don't have it in front of me, kind of the, the possibilities there. But, you know, it's, it's something that obviously sad news but it's, I think, a testament to the music that we could certainly talk about that. Yeah, I don't just don't know if there's one album that jumps out as talking about without kind of saying, oh, well, we could talk about just the music in general. So, yeah, that's a possibility. I would say, yes, we can certainly talk about that. But it's also not something that we've kind of put on our list of... Po- maybe it is on the list, but it might be kind of far further down yeah, the list down of things list. to talk about. So one of my comments, uh, Alex Talander at at book banter he is somebody who kind of discovered us maybe a couple years ago and loves commenting to us i think on facebook and twitter so alex seems to be a good guy and his comment is seven years down the road do you feel uh, do you feel different about any of the albums has reviewing the whole catalog changed anything with how you feel about genesis and then what do you wish genesis would release next i would say no, I'm feeling different about any of the albums. As I said, maybe hearing other people's opinions might sway me a little bit more positively towards some of the tracks. But overall, it's it's kind of I, I don't think there's anything I'd go back and say, oh, I should have rated this album higher or lower. It's yeah, it's I'm, I stand by my decisions. <laughs> yeah, same same here in, in general. I think that I appreciate some things more, but I think that if you're gonna have a podcast about a band you're going to be pretty much in love with that band and so it's it's not going to change too much about the ins and outs of the the overarching fandom of things i think yeah i think the rankings can change periodically but again that's just over time you know what's your favorite book compared to what it was five years ago it's like you might not whatever you might like might be a different thing than what it was before but it may not be something that you newly read. What do you wish Genesis would release next? I think that there's, I, I would love more archival type of things. I think that, I know this is probably not going to happen, but I love the, the model that King Crimson does of doing these kind of album box sets and era box sets that just have tons of material on them. And I don't know if Genesis would ever consider doing something like that. Yeah, that's probably what I'd look for, knowing how much they have in their archive, live shows, etc. Like, I don't need them to release everything they've ever recorded, but take some of the best of each tour. Right. uh, And just put out some stuff that, you know, the fans would buy. Yeah. I think Genesis has always been, uh, rightfully or wrongfully, concerned about kind of Quality control and not overwhelming, not making people buy the same things over and over again. You know, some bands, seems like Emerson, Lake, and Palmer reissues their catalog every three years <laughs> on a different record company and that type of thing. And it's not, it's not horrible, but it's just like, 
you know, if, if somebody's trying to be a completist or it's like, oh, there's a different bonus track on this album, you, you don't want to get involved with that. The one album that uh, with Genesis that, that would happen with Genesis from Genesis to Revelation, that's the one thing that's not in their control. So, you know, is that going to be and and sometimes it's laughable how many different versions of that album there are. <laughs> so, yeah, what they would I, I think there's probably some archival things coming down the pike. What in detail there's some of that, whether it's archival video or audio that could be interesting. Like I was amazed that on the 2007, 2008 sets that came out on the video extras that the kind of widely bootlegged kind of 1977 tour rehearsal stuff or live material that kind of circulates out with the musical box and Firth of Fifth and Lamb Lies Down on Broadway, that that wasn't on that box. Mm. And I'm like, I have an old videotape of that. Does the band not have this or <laughs> is it a rights issue or whatever? So... You know, that's something, if it was cleaned up, that'd be great to have. So, because that's, again, the last tour with Steve and everything. And I don't know what else might be in there. So, it'd be great. But is it going to happen? You never know. Michael Shishoa writes, uh, show suggestion, how about an episode all about the 1982 reunion? Yeah, somebody on my list, Matt, asked about that also. Uh, that was uh, Al- Alex Villalonga asked about that Hyper- at Hyperboreal. And so, yeah, he actually said like that, like, should the five person original tabletop get together to talk about that? <laughs> so, which are fun ideas. I think yeah. that that's, you know, a possibility. None of us having been there, I think that we'd have to either get some sort of guest who at least was there yes. to talk about it. Because then we're just talking about bootlegs at that point, which right. you know is fine, but is kind of like, I would want to hear from people who are involved with that whether we would to put out a call just say hey, record a quick audio thing and send it to us or bring on a guest who was there yeah so. i think that's what we'd have to do and and it's we mentioned earlier that we really don't do any planning for shows that are <laughs> upcoming but it's right. interesting how 1982 is a big anniversary for a lot mm. of stuff in the genesis world true uh, you've got the 40th anniversary of nebworth you have a peter gabriel album that came out in 82. You had Three Sides Live, I believe was 82. Mike Rutherford's album, mm-hmm. uh, which kind of goes into a comment from Phil Morris, who's, you know, posts a lot on Facebook. I think on usually every day or something, he'll post like the history of what happened in Genesis fandom that day. Uh, he said 40th anniversary specials for Peter Gabriel 4 and Acting Very Strange, both mm. coming up on September 10th. Also, the day King Crimson supported Genesis in Hamburg, obviously a notable event, would be welcome. Either contrasting the two or to be separate, recognizing that doing a whole episode of Acting Very Strange may be unwelcome. Oh, that that makes me want to do it, actually. So, <laughs> uh, Yeah, so thank you. Thank you, Phil. And, and, you know, enjoy seeing your daily uh, This Day in Genesis History posts. But Acting Very Strange, yes, I think we, we are going to do a show we did the fugitive, so we're doing acting very strange. Yeah, we, we got to cover these solo members singing their own work. Right, uh, and and at a garage sale last year, <laughs> I found a copy on vinyl of Acting Very Strange, and I promised Mike that I wouldn't listen to it until we were ready to do our show <laughs> because I wanted to record my initial thoughts, much like I did with the fugitive. So, Acting Very Strange, like it or not, that's coming up this year. Mm-hmm. No pun intended with right. like it or not, but yes. So. <laughs> 
We'll have to kind of uh, reach out. Maybe maybe Kate Stratton will want to talk about that album again. You know, as with her Mike Rutherford fandom, so it can be certainly someone who has a different viewpoint maybe on it than than we may or may not have. So, in another kind of album kind of suggestion, Rob Triner at Rob Triner on Twitter says a topic: the original Table Toppers do the Shorts the Lawns album reviews, the '92 release. Uh, yeah, I think that'd be we. It's we did seconds out. We still haven't really done three sides live as not proper. Yeah, we Definitely talked about not. it with the Abitab back in the day. That deserves its own. Yeah. So that's. I would probably want to do three sides live before the shorts and the longs. Yes. But it's yeah. It's certainly I think of that era and talking about that time of touring and also because. It was interesting in kind of bringing a different medley for the old songs into the mix and not doing it in the cage and all that. So, yeah, that, that that's certainly a possibility. It's it wouldn't be something. It's I think it's rare that we would say absolutely not to something like that. But it's it's probably not an immediate priority either. Here's a one from Gary Meyer, kind of uh, not for me, but for Mike. Ooh. <laughs> I'd like to hear how Mike, parentheses, Zorknap. <laughs> the K is silent. Zornap. Is Zornap. Oh, yes. see, I learned something new every day. There you the go. Point. It's been how many years? So. <laughs> Zorknap uh, <laughs> got involved with Ultrastar way back in oh, the day. Yeah. All right. I'll, I'll actually, the truth will be revealed if somebody actually asked that question. So... So yeah, so I, I don't talk about this that much, but I got involved behind the scenes with the band management and the website in some ways. Back in 2007, the last time the tour was going on, the website for Genesis, the official site, got revamped. And this company, Ultrastar, which was started by David Bowie, uh, maybe not him, but his people started it, and he owned it for a while. That company did band websites, and it was all tied into tours for the most part. And 
there was a $35 fee to join to get access to the certain things in the website and get pre-sale tickets for the shows. So I paid my 35 bucks and did that. And I think we got a DVD from that too, which I, which I helped with. <laughs> and I have my name on an official Genesis release. So yay for me. And the, it was one of those things where, because I paid, I had been on the official site before them, but not commenting that much in the forum. And I was like, well, if I'm paying money, I'm going to comment, get my money's worth out of it. And at least early on, I became like one of the top posters in number on the on the site. And then people started ha- posting just to boost their post count and everything, which I always thought was a bit silly. But I was noticed by one of the people who worked for the website. And after the tour was over and I had met this person named Maria at the one of the meetups, she messaged me and said, oh, can I give you a call about the website? I was like, OK, sure. And so she called me. I was at my then job at a university. And she started saying, well, the band was supposed to give us somebody to work on the website to kind of keep it up to date and kind of make updates. And, you know, they, the person who was doing it before, either didn't want to do it anymore, whatever. There was some story there, but I never heard the details of it. And she said, and I've been kind of authorized by the management to finally just hire somebody to have somebody do this. And I'm thinking to myself on the phone, I was like, oh, because I'm on the site a lot, maybe I know somebody who does website stuff or whatever. That's what she's telling me about. And as the conversation went on, I realized that I was like, oh, she's going to ask me to do this. <laughs> and then she says, oh, the, it's, um, yeah, it's, it's something, it doesn't pay that much, only X dollars a month. And my first reaction to my head was, it pays because I kind of would have done it for free. <laughs> and then it was like, it certainly was not enough money to live on. But I was like, oh, that's a nice little second income stream type of thing. And I was a consultant, basically. And so I got a monthly, I would submit invoices monthly. And that's how I got involved. I was just a, a fan that I think that Maria saw from writing and kind of putting whatever I would post and also from meeting me in person that I wasn't a creep, hopefully. Right. And that I could put words together on in paper and hopefully in podcasts too. And that kind of got me into this world of, you know, becoming friendly with people and having some connections that, you know, kind of had me be, and this sounds so dumb, but kind of being a semi-insider in some way, shape, or form. And I certainly don't want to make it sound like I'm patting myself on the back. I always view myself as like, I dumb lucked into doing this, doing that part of the website and everything. And from that, chance favors the prepared mind. <laughs> and, you know, I got yes. to meet Steve Hackett and become friendly with Steve. And, you know, with, you know, I've become friends with people who work for the band. And it's like, we're friends, you know, it's, it's been fun. And it's been great. And it's it's one of the reasons why I'm going to the shows in London coming up and everything. So it's like, it's been a great opportunity. And even though it didn't end well, I met my second wife through <laughs> doing the website and everything. But it's just like, hey, you know, my life has been different because of working for the website for those three years that it happened. And I met Tom through going to the shows in New York and everything. And so I think that, this has been that was pre the website but it also did change my life in a lot of ways just kind of this whole genesis world and so 
I hope that answers your question. Again, that's that's the very short version of it. Wait, that was a short version? I know, I know. It's like, <laughs> but it's like, you don't want to just say, oh, I got hired. Like, what's the story there? But I think like the conversation piece of it is that that's how it happened. And, you know, you, you don't, some people say, and Simon and I would talk about this, like Simon was not into meeting his heroes. And I'm like, oh, I want to meet my heroes. But I also know that I'm not, I don't go with the expectation of, oh, I'm going to be best friends with these people. Like when I interview Tony Banks, maybe maybe we'll like stay in contact or something. And I could tell you right now, I have not stayed in contact with Tony <laughs> Banks, but it's, it's, you just never know. It's like everybody I've met through being involved with the website back in the day, or, you know, even doing the podcast now and everything, everybody's been really nice. It's been great. So, you know, that's positive. So we're nice people. We are. So we try. <laughs> so so I hope that didn't bore people that's in some ways ancient history but it's led us to where we are today So my next question, the Twitter that came out, the, the tweet that I will read is from at Dustin A. Wall, who wrote, this goes along a little bit with what we talked about previously, but thoughts on the next round of catalog remasters or mixes, remixes. Might there be some CD Blu-ray combos in our future? It's been 15 years since the 2007 boxes. So Tom, would you rebuy <laughs> new mixes or new versions or blu-ray versions of surround sound things would that be int of interest to you it would have to depend on what it was right. like i know i know that uh small creeps day is being reissued yes. on cd right not remixed not remastered it's just... it's pro yeah i don't know it, there's been very little details on that like i haven't seen i don't think there's bonus tracks on there or anything which... basically they're putting it on cd and it hasn't been on cd right. for a while they're not yeah. Nick Davis or anyone else yeah, is not I'm, going into the studio and getting the original tracks, if, the original tapes. And, they're certainly not marketing it so far as any type of remix or anything like that. So, right, which is a which shame. Is, yeah. That album deserves it. But yeah, I'd have to see what it was before I paid more money. Yeah. Same here. I think that's like, I'm not going to buy again. I have small creeps day on CD already, so I'm not going to buy unless there is something improved about it whether it's like oh original master tapes remaster type of thing or a remix with surround mixes i'm just not interested in that if they redid the genesis albums again it would depend upon you know price point and and what else is there so hey 
we, we do a podcast about this stuff. We're, we're, <laughs> we are the market for these things. It'd have to be stuff that I haven't been, haven't heard before. It's like, I like the surround mixes from 2007. I have a new Blu-ray player that I can actually play the SACDs on and everything. Nice. So I think that's kind of a, a fun thing. So I have been revisiting some of those. I think the Tony Banks remixes that came out for, you know, a curious feeling and, uh, you know, the fugitive have been great and everything. I, I, I'm a sucker for 5.1 mixes. If they were to do more of that, yeah, I'd be open to it, but I'd have to see what it is. So I think Phil's stuff would be great in that format. I, Mike the Mechanics, sure, why not? Gabriel's stuff, yeah. Steve has done some, all of his new albums have 5.1 mixes. But yeah, that's my approach with that, with those things. So. Well, that, that goes into a question from Amit Ram. Did we get a chance to listen to the 5.1 mixes and do we like them a lot or do we love them to death? <laughs> right. <laughs> yes. That's, I remember the uh, Stephen Colbert, when he would do the Colbert Report, his interviews would be like, George Bush, great president or greatest <laughs> president? <laughs> so that's kind of that type of question. I, yeah, I'm, uh, I don't expect them to replace my original CDs with the original mixes. I like the space and kind of the opening up of the sound of remixes of the 5.1 mixes particularly. And, but I also, if I'm going to listen to those, it's really, Oh, I'm going to sit and listen to this now. Right. You're not just putting on as background music. Right. Yeah. How about you? You just recently got kind of a 5.1 setup. Right. And I've had an auto, uh, CD player, which play the SACs SATCs or SACDs. SACDs. Yeah. Yeah. I actually got it back when these were first released in 2007, but I didn't have a 5.1 stereo. So it's kind of, it was just sitting collecting dust. Sure. And I actually haven't had a time to sit down and listen to these. When they first came out, some sounded great, I thought, like Squonk mm. played on a big stereo. I did hear that. That was amazing. There were some things that, just tiny minor things, like in Silver Rainbow, there was like this bong, like that came every certain bars. And that seemed to get disappear in the mix. So I was, hmm. and that was a, a a key part of that song I liked. And I think there was another one where I thought it was either All in My Mouse's Night or Eleventh Earl of Mar, where I was waiting for this big part to sound awesome, hmm. and it didn't sound more awesome than the original one. Right. So it's 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 hit or miss. Overall, I do love them. I love the packaging. I love yeah. the boxes. It's crazy how much they're going for on like <laughs> eBay. Right, yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I was a fan, so I'd like them a lot. I'll, I don't love them to death, but I, yeah. I love them. So I'll go in between that. Right. Yeah, I think that, you know, with a remix, there's sometimes the comments I hear are like, oh, they don't sound like the originals. And I was like, well, they're not supposed to. That, like, they're different. And your comments aren't like that, but it's like some people dismiss them out of hand because of that. And I'm like, yeah, it's, it's a different flavor to the music. It's a different viewpoint on it. And yeah, like I think... For me, like there were certain parts, I think when I was like, oh, I want to hear Dodo and Surround Mix. And it was good, but it wasn't quite like it. To me, I was like, it could have been even more bombastic. And it just didn't have that feel. Maybe I should listen to it again and jack up the volume even more. <laughs> really annoy the Make your neighbors decide. Respect. So, so well, he, he had a, uh, I'm going to have a second question. Okay, sure. Why, why can we never be sure till we die or have killed for an answer? <laughs> mm. <laughs> Which I, I props for throwing in a Genesis question. Yes. It's not from a track that I particularly love, 
Do you know what that's from? It is. It's the uh, it's a timetable. Timetable. Yes. Yes. Can we kill for an answer? No, we can't. No, we cannot. No, I we do not support killing for an answer. Uh, And the first part of that question is why? Why? uh, What's that? Why? Something that we do till we die? Can we never be sure till we die? Well, you know, that's life. (laughs) That's my answer to that one. So. of death interesting to say why not planned matters 77 at matters m-a-c-c-e-r-s underscore 77 writes one if you could time travel back to a year slash period in genesis's history when would it be and then two this is the death related one you can have one genesis song at your funeral which is it <laughs> um i'll go with trick to the tail no, that's a little too bouncy and upbeat. So <laughs> too jaunty. Yes, exactly. Time travel back to a year or period in Genesis's history. I'd want to see either the Foxtrot or Jet or or uh, Selling England tours. Not the Lamb. I'd be happy to see the Lamb tours, but but my priority would be Foxtrot or Gen- or uh, Selling England. Interesting. We we also got a similar question from Mark Andrews and another from Alex Tillander. If you could time travel to any live show mm. and go back, what would it be? I, I, I that is a tough one because the the Lamb. I would probably get stuck going back to one where it didn't work <laughs> half the <laughs> right. time. Yes, you'd have to do some research and figure out yeah. which the which one is the best of those. I might say the reunion show, mm. but it had to be sunny out. <laughs> ah, you, you not only want to time travel, but you want to change the weather pattern. Hey, I figure too. if I can time travel, I can also change the weather. Yeah, sure. You could do the alternate history yes. where, where that's working out. So, And Genesis on at your funeral? Pigeons. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Let's go for the jokey ones. So. Yeah, Genesis on at the funeral. I know I some people did answer this online. And Afterglow was one that came up, which I'm like, yeah, I could see the the feel of that. You know, if Fading Lights wasn't 10 minutes long, right? I could see that being one that, that fits. Came to mind. But, but the thing about funerals is that they're for the people who are there, not 
I'm dead. You know, I'm not there. I mean, whether whatever your belief in or for afterlife type of things, I'm like, you know, it, it's for the people who are there and, and getting people to listen to any length of song. Eh, you know, I don't know. I always think about the show aspect of it. So, you know, where is this going to fit in the agenda of something like that? Would I have some music playing in the background? Sure. You know, and maybe throw on, maybe have a, a funeral playlist before you go. That could be in your will. But is there a specific song? Part of me goes like, I want to be a little ironic, like it's going to get better. That also came to mind. Yeah. Because, that's... because it has a, that feel to it that's uplifting. Because I do think that a funeral should also be a celebration of the life. Right. And, and obviously it is sad because it's loss. But it's also, we're all going to go through it at some point. You know, whether it's, you know, with family and friends and ourselves, we again, we won't be there for that part of it. But, you know, that's that's part of it. So get him out by Friday. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, We we got another funeral. We got to get him out by Friday. Exactly. I would play um, the light dies down on Broadway. You know, that's the, you know, another conclusion feel one there. You know, or or go full drama and do the apocalypse in nine eight section and supper's ready. (laughs) You know, make your make your funeral attendees cry. So hopefully that's given given a little <laughs> bit of perspective on things. You know, maybe a little less reverential on our side. Put fifty tons of shit on a foreign office roof. Who suffers from nine? question which i this may actually be a short question but i think it's interesting this is from andy larson at chopping guy c-h-o-p-p-i-n-g-g-u-y maybe a bit spun out of the original remit but i love an episode or two about real world and womad maybe cover some of your favorite albums from the real world catalog thanks which i think is interesting because i think real world is an interesting kind of detour from from uh peter's own recording career but also i i can also say i don't know if i'm deep enough experienced to be able to intelligently talk about that yeah kind of like a maybe as part of a larger episode yeah so i think it's interesting but i think that's i don't have i have like a nusrat fateh ali khan release from real world and maybe one or two other things but not many and so it's just, and I know they've released a lot. I know the people really follow the, that type of material. I just don't have the experience to talk about yeah. it. So we've got a question both from Fabrice Esnol and Nick Simons about doing a cover of Bootlegs, maybe the best mm. from each tour. 
going back to you know the earliest bootleg saying all right well this is the best one from the lamb tour this is the best one from the trick of the tail yeah. etc we're kind of spotlighting what might be the best sounding the best audience recording yeah. etc which which is an interesting idea i, I don't yeah. think we've gone in depth into bootlegs no. but yeah at len tater also asked that question best bootleg available by tour you know there's the genesis movement site at, at Genesis, I, I don't know if they have a Twitter account, but if you doodle Genesis Movement, they're kind of the archive for all these bootlegs, and they're a great resource. I think they have a list of the top bootlegs out there, kind of, and they've kind of ranked, you know, the ones that would be kind of by tour and everything. So, for me, I, I'll just say, like, I, I have, I have a friend from England who basically gave me, you know, on computer, his on by files, his entire bootleg collection. So I, have, I do have. Tons of these bootlegs, but they all kind of mix and they all kind of mix together after a while. The favorite one I actually listened to a lot as a young mid-teen was the Genesis Invisible Touch King Biscuit Flower Hour that I recorded off the radio, and I listened to that to death. And <laughs> From the that LA was, forum. Yeah, and yeah. The, the forum, that was my first introduction to Supper's Ready hearing that. Uh, not knowing what the hell was going on with that, but I thought it was great. It was music that actually sent shivers down my spine when I listened to it. So that's a personal favorite, but somebody listening to that now might have a different experience with it. So, so yeah, do you have any favorite bootlegs that you go back to? No, I mean, yeah, the LA Forum, that's a good one. I think around Duke, I used to listen to one called Musica, uh, sure. which was very good. Uh, I think there's a Chicago one at the uh marquee oh there, there there's no that's probably wrong but there is an abacab one live at the savoy oh, abacab sure. to the savoy that's a really great one that that would be up there with a concert that i would go back and see a oh, small sure. club in new york city during the abacab yeah tour Oof. just seeing them play I mean, the crowd just kind just of at the, nuts. the peak of their powers yeah. as a live act kind of doing that type of stuff so fox twin at fox twin asks should they go back in the studio one more time and make some new material? No tour needed. What do you think, Tom? New material? Uh, I would be up for them getting together to see what would come out of it. If nothing comes out of it, nothing comes out of it. Right. They say, all right, well, you know, we're just, it's not the right time. Our, our musical ideas right now are just not in sync, but give it a shot. I mean, yeah. if they had so much fun... They don't necessarily have to tour with it, and they probably wouldn't tour again after this. But put out like a farewell song or yeah. something. I don't know. Just just get together and see what works. I don't think they have to be beholden to an album release. No, anymore, because nobody, no, nobody no one cares does. about albums. Yeah, exactly. If they were to get together and be like, "Hey, we recorded two new songs. Here they are. Put them out on their website or Spotify or iTunes, iTunes or whatever." That's what I could see more than you know, doing a full album at this point because, you know, they're, they're in their early seventies. Do they want to be spending their time doing that? But if they enjoyed it and if they come up with something interesting, that's fine. I think that, you know, that's why I think that's to be something that Phil keeps himself busy with. You know, he can record even just home demos and put those out. You know, if Tony wanted to do that with, you know, instrumental bits or whatever he would come up with. I think that's fine. Mike seems to kind of has have his outlet with the mechanics at this point with still doing new albums. So, yeah. Yeah, so I'm, I'm okay with it, but I'm also, if We Can't Dance slash Calling All Stations is the end of Genesis as recorded at, 
yeah, I'm okay with that. I have to look back at my list. I think Macros 77 may have asked a question already, but this is a good one. So I actually like this, this one. It's a little bit more oblique. To your utter, utter surprise, your inbox suddenly has dinner invites to you from each member of Genesis down the years, but unfortunately, they're all for the same night. So which do you choose to accept and why? Well, if they're all available on the same night, I invite them all over to my <laughs> They don't house. want to see each other. They just want <laughs> oh, to see you, Tom. Got it, got so. it. Uh, Phil. Oh, okay. I think just he would be knowing his background and him being a funny guy and a good sense of humor. Not that they all have a sense of humor, but I think he's the one that I would most have in common with and probably have the most laughs with. Right. I, I can see that. I initially was going with Tony Banks. But I think I'm settling on Peter because I think that I'd want to kind of just get into his head, talk to him in depth about some of the stuff, both from back in the day and just kind of how he views music now. Because obviously he's a great writer, great performer and everything, but gets distracted by other things. And just life in general, but also like some of the technological type of things he's been involved with. And so does he still think of himself primarily as a musician or as Peter Gabriel or as whatever he defines himself as? And so that, that to me is interesting. I think that could be both historically hear about the stories from back in the day, but also just his evolution as a human being on this earth. I think that'd be fun. Interesting. So, and yeah. are, are we both not picking Mike because we wouldn't understand what he's saying? <laughs> yes, he'd, he'd mumble into his food, I think, and we just wouldn't, uh, wouldn't go We'd with just that. nod our head and be like, yeah. okay. I think Mike would be interesting too because I think that, I mean, they'd all be interesting. Yes. I, that yes. goes without saying. But I think, like, I would want to talk with Mike about, like, his writing process and kind of how he creates things and, and what his... As a songwriter, what what's his goal with writing music? Like, I think that's interesting to kind of get into, you know, that type of thing. Because in some ways, he's the most direct writer of, of them. Phil is direct in a different way. But I think Mike's writing is, you know, he's writing as a guitarist. He's writing as, you know, somebody who does put his heart on his sleeve in different ways. And I think that would be interesting to talk about, too. So, so if we ever get him on the podcast, that would be part of the the remit with him also and when we put out this call for questions i did say popular or unpopular opinions you mm. want to express david loftus decided to go with the unpopular route <laughs> phil collins was and is in no physical or vocal shape to be on this tour his singing leaves a tarnish on genesis's sterling reputation yeah i mean <laughs> i i disagree i think that you know it certainly is different but I think also they don't they didn't need to do this tour for anything. You know, no. it's like if if Phil didn't want to do it and if Mike and Tony didn't think that Phil was up for it or that the music was re would really suffer, they wouldn't be doing it. So to their ears, they're hearing something that's worth putting out there. And so what's our perspective as audience members? We can certainly have that opinion that that he shared. But it's it's it is everybody has the the right to do that to, to their own opinion about that, but to me I'm like yeah this is different, 
but I'm okay with it. And that's, you know, these guys are 70, 71 years old and everything. And it's not going to be like, even if Phil was perfectly in good health, it wouldn't be the way it was even in, you know, 2007. So, yeah. And it's, it's interesting that he said his singing leaves a tarnish on Genesis's sterling reputation. That actually might be an unpopular opinion with some people that Genesis has a sterling reputation. <laughs> yes, exactly. You so, talk to the Peter fans. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, it's past it, Abacab or past Duke. Right. They they lost that. that yeah. they, so or know, lost interest at the land. For them, know? other yeah. things tarnish Genesis's sterling reputation. Right. Not Phil singing in 2022 or yeah. 2021. And that's the thing. It's like does. Do reputations get tarnished? That's a bigger question, too, because those albums all exist. Those memories of whatever tours you've seen, those still exist. Does does something new retroactively change your memory or change your feeling about something else? To me, not really, no. Um, you know, if, if you find out that, you know, that somebody was a closet Nazi and then it's like, oh, do I like this person's art then? You can certainly, that can color your perception of things, but people going out on tour again and, and you're not liking it or not thinking that it's good. Yeah, that's not going to, for me, it's not going to change anything. It's just like, well, that was that and it was fine. But it's, and again, I never want to, if you start believing reviews, then you have to believe the bad ones too. But the reviews of this tour, even from non-Genesis-related publications or people, have been really positive. Yeah. And so from, from venues that have not been friendly to Genesis in the past. And I think that if Phil was as bad as sometimes we people say that he is, would, those, would Rolling Stone be as positive about the tour and everything? You know, that's, that's a question. So, but I will say even, you know, my mom sent me a, a picture of Phil on this most recent European leg that somebody sent to her and she's like, oh my God, is this Phil? <laughs> and I'm like, the British tabloid press chooses the worst pictures of Phil to put out there. It's like, because, and even with this round of touring, there's the articles out there. Oh my God, Phil is not playing drums anymore. Phil can't, you know, right, walks with a cane not and new stuff. News. And I'm like, that's been going on since like 2010, 2012. And in 2017, when he toured with his own stuff, that was news then. It's <laughs> like the press, especially the British tabloid press, beats this drum of, oh my God, Phil Collins isn't what he used to be. It's like, well, oh, well, I mean, yeah, that's life. It's clickbait for those who are not familiar yeah. with the story at all. Yeah, like, which which I respect the question from, from our listener and everything. Yeah. Right? This is not beating up on that, but I think that because I've seen other people make this same comment, I just think it, it for me, it doesn't affect it that way. It doesn't bother me that way. So, But I get that you might not, and so, sorry. Don't go to the shows anymore. <laughs>
We did get some questions from former guests on the show. So David Priest, who guested on our Peter Gabriel One episode. Yes. He uh, sent us a question. What Genesis album or solo album have you most listened to differently after hearing the opinions and insights of a co-host or a guest about it? So it's not necessarily what, if your opinion changed, but do you, do you even just approach the album differently than previously? I'd have to say wouldn't be a studio album. It would be one of the solo. Mm, okay. I mean, the group studio album it would be mm. one of the solo albums. Yeah. I'm thinking either The Fugitive or maybe even Peter Gabriel One. Okay. Just hearing, because those haven't been listened to as much as the studio, uh, the group albums for me, just hearing, you know, Anthony and Al talk about The Fugitive and how, yes. you know, they got the album when it first came out and I right. had only gotten it, you know, recently. Interesting to, not that I view it differently, but seeing it through their eyes is really interesting because they bring to it a perspective that I didn't have. And sure. Don't know anyone else who has, so yeah. I'd have to go with the solo album, probably one of those yeah. two. I would go with probably uh, Kate Stratton talking about the Mike and the Mechanics mm. album that we covered, because again, the Mechanics is is has always been a little lighter for me, and so hearing her perspective on it again as a big Mike Rutherford fan and hearing that has opened me up to the Mechanics a little bit more than I was previously. Are they, they? They certainly are not my favorite solo career, but I but I see the the purpose they're fulfilling, kind of, and can listen to it now maybe a bit more with that in mind versus just like ah, I don't I just don't like the mechanics that much, and that's appreciate that's made me appreciate it a little bit more. So yeah, so I think that that it's it's changed a little bit how I listen to it. So, and, and that, again, might tie into still a little bit of the question that we were asked previously about, about that, about being our opinions changing. I still don't think my opinion on the mechanics, for example, has changed that much, but I, I appreciate what they're doing a little bit more. And they're a fun live band nowadays, too, yeah. so when they tour. So if they came to the U.S. again, I would certainly go see them. And a final, uh, unless do you have any final questions on your no, side? I would like to hear final your final question. Again, our the most recent podcast that we guested on with Al Melchior was the Testify episode that you might have listened to, and that there'll be a new one. Our version of that is coming down the pike too. So a little sneak preview for that. But Al sent us some questions. Uh, just what are your favorite concerts by Genesis or Genesis members that you attended, and that. It's kind of a quick three things. So favorite concert by Genesis or Genesis <laughs> members. Then from Genesis to Revelation, does it count as a Genesis album? And we talked about this maybe a little bit in the episode, but just we can refresh that. And then I don't know if you'll be able to um, to comment on this, but he's shocked that about hearing that Till We Have Faces, the Steve Hackett album, got such a negative response from the fan base. Do you, what do you think that was about, and how well do you like the album? I'll work backwards on sure. those. Actually, I, I, I'm not too familiar with Till We Have Faces, so I, I have to say that I really don't have an opinion. Maybe okay. it's something we cover in the future, or at least mention yeah. it if we're doing a couple of the smaller right. Steve Hackett solo If we albums. do Hackett in the 80s, that yeah, will right. certainly be talked about. For me, that album was the very first Steve Hackett solo album I got. 
And so I didn't have anything to compare it to other than his stuff in Genesis. And I was like, oh, I kind of like this. I, I liked the diversity of stuff. And it was only afterwards, that I, and maybe even talked with Al about it a little bit, that I realized that that a lot of Genesis and Hackett fans really don't like that album. <laughs> and I kind of get it, but I'm kind of like, eh, it's, it's a fun album. I enjoy it. It's It's not as instrumentally dense as some of his other stuff, but it has really good songs on it. There's a song called What's My Name on there, which I think is fantastic. And it's great. I would rank that up in the top 10 Steve Hackett songs for me. Interesting. So, you know, it's a very moody piece, but I, it's, you know, it's mid 80s. So I think that that was, that could be a rough time for a lot of people. But I wonder <laughs> if that's something, if, if some people who really disliked it were to revisit it now, what they would think about it. Could they find something they liked about it? It was a rough time for me. Exactly. <laughs> yes. Junior high and high school. Yeah. So from Genesis to Revelation, count as a Genesis album? I, I don't even know why that's a question. Yes. yes 100%. It, right. Yeah. It does. I, I could think that I get where people say like, well, Genesis really started with Trespass. I'm like, yeah, I see that, but it's a Genesis album. Yes. It's a very different Genesis album. You know, they were, you know, they were embryos when they recorded it, but it was, but it was fun. I, I think it's, it set a template that you can still kind of hear moving on, especially their love of the short song, the short pop song. And they wrote some good ones even when they were teenagers. Yeah. So. You can see where they're going. Yeah. Where You're, they want to go. Yep. So, and then favorite concerts by Genesis or Genesis members. So maybe break that up into the band itself and then. Well, Genesis, probably one of the favorite, I've only seen them since 92, like, right. uh, was probably the first show in Toronto on the 2007 tour, the North American show, it was the right. first of their North American shows. And that was just, I didn't really know much of it. I knew some of the set, but uh, some real good surprises came right. up. Uh, I went with Stacy, so I had a, a good Genesis friend with me. Right. And it was just a fabulous show. It was supposed to rain. Luckily, the rain held off. Uh, it was just a fantastic night. Solo, the first thing that comes to mind is an odd choice, Peter Gabriel and Sting. Oh, yes. yes. That was a fantastic show. And I was just thinking about that show earlier today for some reason. Just Peter's stuff was fantastic. Sting's stuff was great. It was hit after hit. We were at the same show. Yes. Just, we weren't sitting together, but we were both at Madison Square Garden for it. And just everything was just you didn't want to take a bathroom break because you you knew you were going to miss a quality Something, song. Yeah. Peter sang Sting, Sting song. Sting sang Peter's. Sting did that opening of Dancing with the Moonlit Night, right. which yeah. shocked which all great. of us. Yeah. Uh, so that, that's the one solo one that comes to mind. Yeah. I think for Genesis shows, I saw Genesis on the Invisible Touch tour at, at Giant Stadium, first rock concert I ever went to. And then on the We Can't Dance tour and then twice in 2007 and at this count, four times in, <laughs> in 2021. 20, and favorite of those Genesis shows would either be... Oh, you know, I, I kind of want to say, like, Giant Stadium, but there's also both one of the New York shows at Madison Square Garden on the 2022 shows 
was fantastic. It just, you know, with Duchess in the set list and that being there and the final Boston show, you know, mm. just as kind of an emotional end of the United States, end of North America, United States, just being yeah. there. So maybe a little less musical reasons for that. Yeah, I think that those, maybe the Madison Square Garden show in 2007 too, that might've musically been a little better than an outdoor giant stadium show, yeah. but just giant stadium. That was where I saw my first Genesis show. So there was that. Re- you always re- remember resonance. your first. Exactly. So <laughs> solo. Yeah. I think I would have to kind of talk about that. Gabriel and Sting show was just fantastic. And I thought it was really as big as each of them are. And I think I, I knew very little of the set list going into it. But I was like, what are they going to end with, a Gabriel or, or a Sting song? And I thought it would be with a Sting song, with the police and everything. But they ended with Sledgehammer, which I actually mm-hmm. thought was, A, a great ending, but also great that Sting was okay with that. And and it was it was great. And there was a lot of cool interplay between the two of them. And I thought Gabriel doing a very kind of slow, bluesy version of If You Love Someone, Set Them mm-hmm. Free. Like at first I didn't recognize the song. And then when I realized what it was, I was like, this is fantastic. Yeah. And, and there was a lot of that type of stuff in there where, where they played with each other more so than from what I understand, maybe the year or two before that sting did that with Paul Simon, Simon, but it was much more, here is Paul Simon doing some songs. Here is sting doing some songs and maybe just a little bit of interaction towards the end between them. But it was really from starting off with, you know, I think Rhythm of the Heat with three drummers, I was like, this is what you can do now with this stuff. This is great. Yeah. And they, I would love, it It was too bad they didn't do more of that. I thought that was a really good pairing there. Of the other solo stuff, it really falls down to like Peter or uh, Phil or Steve. I don't want to discount Mike Rutherford and the mechanics and everything, but I am. I am. <laughs> um, but you will. I am, yeah. The Which, uh, when I've seen them, they've all been right. good shows. Yeah. They're, they're fine. So it's just, it's not my, what I'm a fan of. I thought that Phil's tours, I didn't see Phil in solo concert until the Not Dead Yet tours. I never saw him in concert oh. before that, besides the Motown shows in New York, which I went to two of those. And and Steve is just consistently solid. Seen him in smaller venues, seen him in, you know, the more the bigger theaters that he's been playing at with with some of the Genesis Revisited stuff. And he's always puts on a great show. So but yeah, but that's that's Gabriel and Sting show wins out. So and Gabriel's put on great shows too. Yeah, so. exactly. I mean the, the Secret World tour. I mean yeah. that's just unbelievable. I mean just yeah. even watching that on video, you, you still get chills. Exactly. So which I saw that. Did you you saw the Secret World? Tour? Yeah, at, at, at MSG. Oh, okay. So I saw it up at Worcester, Massachusetts. I was in, living in Boston <laughs> at the time. So Worcester. And yeah, that was a great, great tour. That was my first time seeing Gabriel on that yes, tour. So too. I didn't, I missed the so tour, which was sad, but whatever the uh, life goes on <laughs> the, so that wraps up our viewer. We're going to call it viewer. Viewers. We know you're not <laughs> viewers, but it's just so fun to call it that we didn't get to every question. No, um, but we did get a lot more and you know, we'll, we'll keep them. We're going to do a yeah. part two or part B. Yeah. And we'll, we'll go, ke- and keep yeah. sending things in because like, you know, we're we'll do these a little bit more regularly. And I'll be honest, you know, pe- we do have the email account, which we list at the end of things. It's like and I've been horrible in corresponding with people that and maybe a couple times a month we get messages there. 
And I'm almost like, oh, yeah, I should reply to that. And then five months later, I'm like, oh, I haven't <laughs> replied to that. So recently I replied to maybe three or four people. And I'm like, oh, great. I, I feel a little better about this. And then it'll drop off for a couple more months now. So, But Twitter I, Twitter and Facebook, I think, are the best ways to get get to us at this point. So, And you're generally, you know, Tom oversees Facebook for the most part. I oversee Twitter for the most part. And, you know, so it's always fun to interact on both of those forums. And it's the best way to get in contact with us, I think. So, so as Mike said, keep posting and yep. uh, we'll, we'll definitely answer them at some point, whether it's through email yeah. or a comment on Facebook or in the next viewer mail exactly. episode. And we'll be having more episodes coming out this year. You can't get rid of us that easily. So we'll <laughs> you can be, try. We'll be doing more. We'll be doing more of the... Uh, it feels like we haven't done this Testify one that we did for Al Melchior's podcast is the most album-related one we've done recently. We've done the tour episodes and the interview with uh, Julissa Castrodale. And so I feel like we need to get some good album reviews under our belt again. Yeah, we'll, so we'll have a couple soon. of the strong ones, especially ones that are celebrating some anniversaries this yeah. year. So you can probably guess which ones. If, <laughs> if you rewind your clock to 1982, yes, you might guess which ones we might be covering mm. this year. Yes, so we can we can do those moving forward, and those will be a lot of fun. So very cool. So. This is Mike Lord. This is Tom Roche. And you've been listening to Tabletop Genesis. We will see you all next time. We're waiting for you. Come and join us now. We need you with us. Come and join us now. Darkness is creeping out I can see the softness there Where the sunshine is gliding in Fill your mind with love Find the world of future glory You can meet yourself Where the sour turns to sweet Leave your ugly, selfish shell To melt in the glowing flames Can you sense the change? See your eyes now, listen We're waiting for you I'll Come and join us now We want you with us Thank you for listening to this episode of Tabletop Genesis. Archived episodes can be found at tabletopgenesis.com, along with updates, polls, and various other podcast-related news. 
You can also subscribe to the podcast on iTunes to have shows automatically downloaded to your computer when we post new episodes. To keep up with all the Tabletop Genesis activity, follow us on Twitter at Genesis Tabletop. You can like us on Facebook by searching for Tabletop Genesis, and you can email us directly at genesistabletop at gmail.com. Let us know what you think of the podcast or send us questions we can address on future episodes. Join us now. We need.